Welcome, welcome to Seattle Sound, then and now, Seattle's new podcast, hosted by me, Owen Wright, guitar player for the band My Sister's Machine. It's all about what was going on back then and where we are now. We're going to have a lot of bands on the show back from the uh, early 80s all the way through the mid-90s. Also, brand new, younger bands for a new generation of musicians that we want to talk to and find out, you know, what, what they're all about. Uh, we've got our uh, director, David Yama, here. Say hi, Dave. Uh, howdy. Howdy. Let's say hi, Dave. Hi, Dave. <laughs> <laughs> we've got JP as our tech support at the podcast board. Hi, JP. Hey, guys. How are you? Good. And uh, I'm happy to introduce and our first guest on our first podcast, uh, a good friend of mine, great musician, and um, a hell of a guy, Mr. Nick Pollock, singer for the band My Sister's Machine. Hi, Nick. Welcome to the show. Well, hello. <laughs> it's good to be here. <laughs> it's good to have you here. So the premise of the show is not to talk about how much we partied, because we don't know how much we did. We're lucky to still be here. That never happened. Allegedly. Um, but I'm going to get right to it. So when you were younger and you first started uh, listening to music, how, how old were you and what were you listening to? Sixth grade, I was listening to ACDC, Black Sabbath, stuff like that. And I uh, got introduced by uh, this girl named Carrie. She brought to one of our classes in a portable. In sixth grade, she brought Van Halen 1. Oh, hell. And that completely changed my entire life right there. Do you remember, like, when you got your first guitar? So first first guitar first was guitar. after playing the flute, the clarinet, um, and then playing the acoustic guitar for a while. Yeah. I ended up getting a Honor copy of a Les Paul. Or, you okay. know, yeah, that was it. I think I actually, one of my first guitars like that was something like that. It was a Les Paul Jr., it wasn't a Gibson. It was black and it was cool. Right on. So that was like sixth, seventh grade. And then from there on, I guess before you and Lane did Alice in Chains, mm. were you. Alice in Chains. Mm, Chains. <laughs> were, were you in another band before that? Yeah, I, I had a band from, I think I was 12 or 13 years old, and it was called Nemesis. Ooh. Yes. And. Um, and <laughs> Playing the guitar, because I had absolutely new aspirations for being a singer mm -hmm. back then. Uh, that came out of desperation for us, of course, you know. <laughs> I remember but, it. But, like, I think... Thank God. So there was that, and then I played with um, some other guys from the high school that I was in, and then I met Lane and James Bergstrom uh, when I was 17, 16 oh, wow. or 17. Yeah, you guys are young. We were, and we played in the band, my wife likes to call it Slez. Because oh, it was that's spelled right. that was S L E Z E, sleaze, sleaze. Yes, yeah. I remember. I that. came in to their lives at the end of that naming of a band, and then uh, we pretty quickly took Allison Chains. Mm. Chains. You know what's funny is that I was on YouTube the other night, and I actually there is one video of Sleaze on YouTube with you guys playing. And it was, was a battle, the rock of, one? battle of the bands. Oh, that I wasn't in it then. Johnny oh. was playing. Johnny Bacolas was playing guitar. That's why they lost. That's why they lost. They didn't win that battle of the bands. Of course. Shit, that was that must have been, God, eighty five. Yeah, I think I've seen the the timestamp on that thing. It's eighty five. That's when I was in the band out of West Seattle called Mistrust. Oh yes, because we were practicing next to you. Yes. 
and then <laughs> things went like this. <laughs> And then we'd been going to parties, especially oh, at his yeah. house in West Seattle forever. The one to... on 35th, Daytona. Yeah, that was, that was the house uh, that I lived with my roommate, uh, Jerry Whitlow. And I said, hey, can we have a party? It was like Saturday afternoon. He was like, yeah. <laughs> How many people are going to come? I go, oh, maybe oh, 20, sorry. 30 people maybe. He goes, yeah. I go, maybe we should visqueen the whole house. These were referred to as the visqueen parties. So we literally... Put down black visqueen on everything in the house, and literally like 150 people showed up, and it was a melee. The cops kicked everybody out multiple and, times. And as everybody was leaving, I go, "Just go into the backyard." Yeah, go into the backyard and be super quiet. So, <laughs> so the cops are standing at the front door. I go, "Everybody's gone." Little do they know, there's 150 people in the backyard going. I come out the back porch. Coast is clear. Yeah. And we're back. And let's party. Yeah. Good times. Yeah. We had a lot of parties like that. And that's actually how I met um, Jerry and Sean and Mike Starr because they were showing up to parties. Oh, yeah. And, uh, you know, the lineage of their band is one thing. And, uh, you know, good friends of ours um, in the Seattle music scene. So you went from Sleaze, then you guys started Alice. And that went on for how many years? It felt longer to me, but I think it was like a couple years. We were 87 up to... 89? 88. Because once we parted ways, I started bringing Jerry from Tacoma to my parents' house, and then we would go to those parties. Ah. I'm the connecting tissue when it comes to Jerry and Lane. Then Lane and I met um, the... uh, you know, uh, Sean and Mike just down at an Alki and then yeah. parties. And all, all everybody's in the same parties, so Yeah. So all, all over all over Seattle. Big cesspool. Are you are you and you would get a phone call on a regular phone and sometimes it would be busy. Every now and then somebody's parents would have like a, 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 a tape um, cassette tape recording machine. And so, you know, that's how you found out about a party. You just and then next thing you know, everybody's there. Hey! Lane and I are the ones that a, uh, organized many of those parties. <laughs> I'm not. I'm shocked, <laughs> but not surprised. <laughs> so at that point, you guys started Alice, and that went up until about what '88 ish, and that's about when Mistrust, the year we got to the point where we had put out a, a record and uh, we toured the world spin the world it was cool we got to open up for bands like striper and loudness and um got to go on a couple of road trips opening up for alice cooper which was super cool back when he uh he came back after a long hiatus uh he had had a real bad alcohol problem and he went clean and sober and his motto was a bottle is too much and a barrel ain't enough (laughs) which i thought wow that's a poignant uh, you know back then i didn't really understand what he was saying but it was just like even a little bit's too much for me like i i gotta you know i gotta and to this day sober now for probably 40 years and still doing shows and uh but yeah those are some highlights uh back in the day we probably ended up in the glam metal neighborhood with alice in chains and mistrust Back in those days, which basically went from, what was it, like, 83 through 88-ish? Yeah. Right yeah, around there. I'd say so. 
Good five-year run of just yeah. hustling for the first time. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, the rest of the, that I never ended up playing at Gorilla Gardens for some strange reason, but you have. Well, we played there twice. The last time we played there, we either opened up for Green River or the very first carnation of Mother Love Bone. Oh, geez. And a massive fight happened. Of course. And we go running out of the club. I mean, it was like a full-on melee, and my girlfriend, Karen Mason... Rolls up in her Camaro, get in! She's like this hot blonde bombshell in this wicked Corvette. And dealing all of our favorite drugs at that time as well. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Super glad to meet her. But yeah, um, yeah, Gorilla Gardens, man. I was uh, down kind of in Chinatown, wasn't it? It was. We, were, we played at different warehouse parties mm-hmm. that are down the street from there. But there's just sort of like a, the, the convergent zone for all these bands, especially like the punk ones and the, the metal or, or, you know, glam, whomever, was Gorilla Gardens, pretty yep. much. Or the Metropolis? Was that Metropolis is way, way before. Okay. That was... It's was it Gorilla Gardens or was it like it was pre pre that? God, maybe maybe Gorilla Gardens was the Metropolis. I don't know. I never went to the Metropolis when the Metropolis was the Metropolis. So Su- Susan booked that. She yeah, that was her some of her first uh, gigs forays into the yeah, falling into the world of music and whatnot. You know what? We're gonna take a, a quick break here for our sponsors on Seattle Sound then and now. Seattle Then and Now is brought to you by Annie Irene's Coffee Shop, downtown Des Moines, the best coffee in Des Moines. I go there every morning. Also brought to you by Des Moines, the cleaner, Seattle dry cleaning with pressing services and excellent service. Also brought to you by Design Develop for all your construction and carpentry needs, facilitation and building, Design Develop. Let's talk about my sister's machine for a sec. Um, We went on to do two records and uh that was a lot of fun i mean i gotta be honest with you i never really liked being on tour <laughs> i was super homesick uh i had a girlfriend uh Kristen carrington who i was in love with and i just couldn't handle being away from her and so that ruined it for me thanks chris um <laughs> Uh, when we first went out on the road, did you like it? Um, I quit smoking right as we were out on the road. Three weeks into that, I ended up getting bronchitis, and it messed up a gig that we were playing down in Vegas the, at the Shark Club. The, I remember that place, that big log cabin joint. Yeah, the lady that booked that place was like going, hey, I'll put you up. Just promise me you'll come back here later and stuff like that. It was extremely difficult for me on the road because I was a singer. Yeah, I've got really bad sinuses and uh, I'm a, like a natural barometer. But when we did that, I would, you know, my my voice wouldn't work. And right. so it was really painful. Ultimately, no, I did not like the road. And when I when I remember back and we were traveling our first few tours, well, our first many tours were in a van hauling a Wells Fargo trailer and we would take turns driving and you never really got a decent night's sleep unless we had like a day off. And, you know, we'd remember we play those gigs and we get done, you know, play the mason jar down in back in the van, fucking Arizona. We get back in the van at like one thirty, and then we had to be in Oklahoma in like a day and a half. And you got to drive like literally 12 hours and you got, you know, seven, eight guys in a van. I remember we finally outlawed smoking in the van. Because remember when we first yeah. took off, everybody was smoking cigarettes? 
Yes. Our first our first tour run down through Sacramento. I don't know whose idea was. We like we need a we need a roof vent on the van. And I'm like, well, we'll we'll stop it at this guy's house that we know in Sacramento. Cut a hole in the roof. I'll install a roof vent, and then we can all smoke and not smoke each other out. So literally, a couple hours later, we finally get to a Motel 6 that we're going to stay at, and we drive through the underpass and just rip the thing right off the fucking van. You remember that? Oh, yeah. Well, and I ruined it for everybody, too, because because I singing, nobody could smoke in the vehicle when I was going to Right, so we outlawed smoking. Yeah, well, yeah, and they hated me, too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, I mean, the best part, I think, on being on tour, when you're touring like that, is even though we had hotel rooms every night or motel rooms well, or we whatever. we didn't have them for a long time. Remember, we, we crashed. Oh, yeah, we did crash. Yeah, we quarters, crashed. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we did a lot of couch surfing, too. Yep, yep. It's that one hour a day that we got to be on stage and play was, like, the best ever. That it was. And, uh, you know, the anticipation, maybe an hour before you play, and then the hour after you get done, you know, you're all hyped up. But man, you got another twenty-two hours of the day that you got to like sit in a van and drive. To... And nobody's giving us days off because it costs money to do that. Yeah, it so... costs dough. And well, we we're making what maybe fifteen dollars a day for per diems for food. Yeah, yeah. Well, we'd go we'd go around the U.S. Uh, a number of times like this, and each time there's more people, and that was I it mean made it better. Payoff, right? Yeah, yeah. It made it a lot better. Oh, way, way better. <laughs> so uh, Nick and I, we uh, we did two records together, and we toured our butts off. And we played our guitars on MTV. So after we did our our records, or we toured, and we did our MTV. Um, what I wanted to get into. So the show is called Seattle Then and Now. I want to talk to Nick about after my sister's machine did its thing. Dick has been in a couple of poignant, really cool bands that I love. Uh, one was Tanks of Zen, National Guard. Soulbender. Soulbender. So tell us from, uh, was it Tanks of Zen, Soulbender, that you were in with Michael Wilton from Queensryche? Yeah. So tell us about those three bands. Well, um, I started Tanks of Zen. I didn't really miss much of a beat. I was already like writing songs for it came up with the name and were, was playing with a few guys. Tim Jones was in the band at that time, Todd Marvin um, and Steve Renstrom. I ended up getting connected with Michael Wilton from Queensryche, and that was Soulbender. Mm -hmm. uh, Dave Groves and Wes Hallam, both those two are from up in uh, uh, Coquitlam, Vancouver, Canada. Mm -hmm. And um, we did a record in 2002. We also played the first Lane Staley tribute. Yeah, that's that's and then the tanks thing. I put out a record for that uh, afterwards, after kind of Soulbender was Wilton was off, you know, touring with Queensrÿche and stuff like that. And then mm -hmm. I put out a record with Tanks of Zen called uh, "Loves Gentle Ma," and then started up a band called the National Guard. Mm -hmm. um, that's what uh, is was Aaron Tate from Minus the Bears, the drummer uh, Nick. Reinhardt. Reinhardt's playing bass on there. Who actually plays bass in another band that I have called Old Lady Litterbug. It's incestuous. It's it really is. Well, he's a great okay. bass player, and he's a hell of a nice guy, too. So why wouldn't you want to rock out with him? That guy's exactly. fucking awesome, right? Exactly. And uh, my friend Jimmy now, uh, guitar-wise, uh, from high school, Jimmy Chow's playing guitar in that. Jimmy Chow, great guitar player. Wicked guitar player. He and I are working on something now called, um, what is it we're calling it? Uh, 
One-Eyed Royals. Okay. And it isn't going to sound like anything that came before. Let's just say there's a bass synthesizer in my basement now <laughs> and all kinds of other. It's like there's a piano in my living room. It's like, there you, go. you guys, you, you, you guys are guitar players. Yeah. You totally got to mix it up. I think so. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. Well, cool. That Keeps is it awesome. Fresh. <laughs> We're going to take a quick commercial break. And we are going to be back with Nick Pollock, singer from My Sister's Machine, on Seattle Sound, then and now. attention and everybody wanted to sign bands we did a demo deal before that with uh, excuse me not columbia but capital, uh, capital. and they kind of they kind of hung us up they flew us down to la later that day after our meeting remember we went to the beach boys party in the yeah. parking lot where they that was they awesome. shipped in sand fucking truckloads of sand and truckloads of sand and turned their parking lot into a yeah. beach and the beach yep. boys played for like their 30th anniversary or whatever that was super fun but what ended up happening is that just like all record labels back then and there's a bunch of them there's like three left now basically um capital had their fingers on a couple other bands and one was a band called love hate and they had a song called blackout in the red room and their demo was being played on knac in la and people were really digging it that fucking band basically i think took our record deal from capital records because they were signed i don't know if you remember that but they got signed maybe a month or two after we had our final meeting and and so while we're just hanging out up in seattle you know ready to call go our manager and our attorney ready, have they said anything and no they haven't said anything but you know in a weird odd way i think it was a blessing i mean caroline was a great uh, label to be on and they gave us a budget to do our uh, videos for MTV and we hooked up we played some 
opening for some awesome bands. During that, that time, yeah. It yeah. was uh, pretty amazing. Caroline was really good. Uh, you know, I, ex- extremely respectable. Some of the acts have, you know, been on there. I think they had bad brains for a while. Yep. Too, you know. Well, then they moved into more of a kind of a rock genre, and then they signed the Pumpkins, and they released Gish. Yeah. And that record came out, and that was pretty, I don't want to say mainstream, but it was very rock, real guitar-oriented. I mean, that was a great record. Uh, the label, the second label that we were on, Chameleon uh, Electra, they pushed the living daylights out of a band called Jellyfish. This label just decided, we're going to make this band. And they that band sold like hundreds of thousands of records. They still tour. And great band. That's how it works. It's definitely got to be, it's got to be music that people love. The band's got to be good, but it ain't going to go anywhere if you don't have the money behind it. Nope. That's, that's just all there's to it. And hanging us up meant that Capitol Records had a demo deal that they had right of first refusal for a period of six to nine months. And so they just, they just waited the whole thing out. And you know what? They didn't even, they barely, they barely even gave us any money. I mean, we recorded that demo at the music source. Mm-hmm. Remember? With Larry Brewer. I wonder what Larry's doing. Last time I saw him, he came to my house. He's like, oh, and how are you? He's all crazy. And then he puts a gun on the table. I'm like, whoa, dude. <laughs> my wife's going to be home from work in about 15 minutes. You what really probably should put the gun away. And I have, I'll tell you what. I'll call you an hour. We'll have dinner. I never heard from him again. Oh, my God. But Larry was a character. Yes. Oh, my God. Yes, he was. Yes, he was. I think uh, at this point, we want to thank Nick Pollock from My Sister's Machine, Tanks of Zen, and National Guard. Awesome singer. Great friend of mine for being here. I want to thank JP for being on the board today and director Dave Yama. <laughs> thank you guys for having me. All right. Well, hey, everybody, have a good afternoon. And this is Seattle Sound, then and now. Mm-hmm.